Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Can Death. It is 1.15 a.m., January 26, 1940. Bob Farragut, a rancher, comes awake slowly. As his eyes open, a wave of nausea sweeps over him, and he breaks into a cold sweat. He throws back the covers, staggers to his feet, noticing that his wife has left her place beside him. May? May? Where are you? May? What's the matter? Why are you out of bed? Oh, Bob. I feel so, so sick. Yeah. I feel kind of funny myself. I would... Just putting some water on my face. What's the matter with me? You're as white as a sheet. You better get back and lie down. Funny, I can hardly stay on my feet without holding on to something. You're all perspired. Oh, Bob, what can it be? I don't know. Unless we're all coming down with the flu or something. Kids acted kind of funny before they went to bed. I was... Up with them about 11 o'clock. They were complaining about stomach aches. Wait. We better go have a look at them. If they feel like we do, I'm going to call the doc. Are they... They seem to be all right now. Both sleeping. Better close the window by Petey's bed. Janet's got covers kicked off. I'll put a quilt over her. We better get back to bed ourselves. Have Doc out in the morning. Oh, I never felt so sick. Bob! What is it? What's the matter? Oh, Janet's face. Feels so funny. Bob, she isn't breathing. She feels so cold. Now, don't go getting yourself excited. I'll wake her up. Janet? Janet? Wake up, baby. Janet! Wake up, baby! Wake up! Petey! Wake up, Petey! Ah! Petey! Oh, what's the matter with him? Doc. Gotta call the doc right away. Stop! Don't leave me! Stop! May! 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 Gotta get him! Get somebody to help. Gotta get downstairs to the phone. 
days later when a neighbor noticed Farragut's milk cows wandering in pain as the result of not being milked. The sheriff was summoned, along with a medical examiner who made a preliminary diagnosis of poisoning. The bodies were moved into town for autopsy, and the sheriff called for the aid of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Everything in this medicine cabinet seems to be innocent enough, Jase. Your deputy checked the garbage cans and refuse bins? Yeah, no empty bottle of any kind, just a few cans, vegetable peel, and stuff like that. I'll need some wrapping to pack these bottles in so they can be flown to the lab for examination. Probably find what you need downstairs. Jase, I've been in office nine years, and this is the dirtiest killing I've ever had. You seem pretty sure this wasn't an accident. Not with kids being affected. Farragut's were mighty careful people. Car pulling up outside. Yeah, must be the doc with the autopsy report. No, Sid Mack. Farragut's partner in this range. Who did it, Sheriff? Sid, if I knew that, I wouldn't be standing here. We gotta do something about this. I don't want anybody getting away with it. You can post a five thousand dollar reward for the killer in my name. Make it ten. Make it anything I got. Take it easy, Sid. I know how you feel. Uh, Sheriff tells me you own half this place. That's right, Ranger. How come you haven't been out here in a couple of days? Well, I don't live on the place. It was just an investment to me. I got a hardware store in town, living there. I see. You know anybody who was packing a grudge against the Farragut's? Against Bob and May and those kids? It'd take a madman to want to hurt them. Oh, Jace, that's Doc's car coming now. Good. Oh, why does everything take so long? Everybody's standing around waiting instead of doing something. There's no point in doing anything until you know what you're doing. And Doc tells us what killed the Farragut's. We'll have something to trace. Oh, I'm sorry, Ranger. It's all right, Mr. Mag. Howdy. Howdy, Doc. You know Sid. This is Ranger Pierce. Hello, Sid. Oh. Hey, Ranger. Yeah, the results of the autopsies are kind of surprising, Sheriff. Death in all four cases is accidental. What? Accidental? Accidental. No doubt about it. Deaths were caused by botulism. What's that? It's the result of improper home cannon. Stomach content showed the Farragut's had made their last meal on green beans, potatoes, and canned sausage meat. There's nothing in that to kill them. Yes, there is, Mr. Mack. The doc's right. Cannon meat at home is tricky business, Sid. Should be done under steam pressure at high temperature. If it isn't, uh, bacteria forms and it's plenty deadly. You sure that's what killed them, Doc? Bacteria was unmistakable, Sheriff. It was the sausage meat. Nothing else. I uh, guess we should be thankful in a way. It's nice to know it wasn't murder. Dead. Just from sitting down to a meal. And they're all dead. Well, Jace, looks like I brought you down here for nothing. I don't know, Sheriff. Looks like we've got a real job on our hands anyhow. What do you mean, Ranger? The Sheriff and I have fine-combed the house. There's nothing in there that's home canned and no equipment for home canning. Sure, that's right. All we did find was one cannon jar on the kitchen drain board. Must have been washed out along with the dishes from the last meal aid. Are you sure of that? Wasn't even a steam boiler big enough for home canning. And a woman doesn't just put up one jar. She cans in batches, and the whole batch might be contaminated. Women do pass out samples of their home cannon to neighbors and friends. That jar must have been a gift. Quite a gift. Like a stick of dynamite with a lighted fuse. Somebody around here must have a pantry full of poison, and they don't know it. You mean what happened to the Farragut's could happen to somebody else? It will happen to somebody else if we don't find out where that sausage meat came from and fast. Sheriff, you better get all your deputies and a bunch of volunteers out here right away. We'll need them to make direct contact with anybody in the area who can't be reached by phone. We've got to warn anybody that may have given the Farragut's that sausage meat. I'll call them right away. Now ask the phone company to put on a staff and make calls to every listing. Right, Jase. Is there anything I can do, Ranger? You got your car. You can take an area when the sheriff and I map it out. I can help you there. I'd rather use you in another way if you don't mind, Doc. Drive into town, go to the newspaper and the local radio station, ask him to get out a warning. Right. You want me to come back, then? No, you better stand by in town and pray that we don't bring in another case for the hospital or the morgue. <laughs> Five days and nights, we covered the territory, the shacks and farms and ranch houses without phones, and then doubled back on the phone listings that hadn't answered, running down the whereabouts of people away on business trips or vacations, but we couldn't locate the source of the contaminated meat. If only somebody would come forward and admit that they canned the stuff the Farragut's ate, we'd know we were safe. Uh, they may be afraid of being held responsible for the deaths. Well, it is something to wonder about. Well, yeah, we're almost back to my office. Maybe one of the other men has left a report. What time is it? Almost midnight. 
Yeah, here we are. This is Ranger Pearson. Hello. What can I do for you? My name's Burton. I just came down from Dallas. I'm an investigator for the Midland and Frontier Insurance Company. We understand that you're still investigating the death of the Farragut family. Well, we're trying to find the source of the stuff that killed him, if that's what you mean. Then this isn't a criminal investigation? No. Deaths were accidental. What's your interest, Mr. Burton? Well, Ranger, it is unusual for an entire family to be killed, except for a highway accident or a fire, some natural calamity... And the Farragut's were all heavily insured by my company. I'm just making a routine checkup before we pay the beneficiary's claim of $30,000. $30,000? You say your company insured all the Farragut's? That's right. $10,000 each on Farragut and his wife, 5000 each on the children. All the Farragut's are dead, though. Who is the beneficiary? Mr. Farragut's partner, Sid Mack. Sid Mack? How long ago were those policies written, Mr. Burton? Uh, a little over a year ago, when the partnership was formed. That's the main reason my company wanted to make certain about your investigation. It's a matter of routine for partners to insure each other, but... Uh... But this involved Farragut's whole family. Yes. However, since there's no criminal investigation, we'll have to honor Mr. Mack's claim. Thanks for your time, sir. Uh, just a second, Mr. Burton. Yes? If I were you, I wouldn't recommend payment of that claim just yet. But the sheriff just said that there's no criminal investigation. There wasn't a minute ago, but there is now. You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Chase Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Can Death, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. In the morning, Sheriff Kingman got a search warrant for Sid Mack's house. Mack had already left for the hardware store, but we were admitted by his hired girl. She was young and frightened. She watched us in silence as we started our search and then disappeared. Nothing in here, Jase. Yeah, nothing in the pantry either. Let's try the attic. Mm. That girl scooted mighty quick, didn't she? Yeah, she probably told Mac what we're doing by now. Should have kept her here until we were through. Yeah, doesn't make any difference. He'd know sooner or later. And if anything's here, he won't be able to stop us from finding it. This door here. We're not going to find anything, Jase. If there was more of that contaminated food, he'd be stupid to have it around. And if he did kill the Farragut, he's not stupid. Oh, this whole job is too clever. No job is perfect. There's always a slip someplace. Let's move those crates. Okay. Uh, nothing in these things, Jase. Better look in those barrels, too. Yeah. Hey, hold it. Somebody's coming upstairs. Mac, I reckon. You and the ranger up there, Sheriff? That's right, Mac. What's the idea? Just having a look around, Mac. We've got a search warrant. Maybe you're going to need more than a search warrant. I had a call from an insurance man named Burton this morning. Yeah, we had a call from him last night. That's why we're here. I've got a legitimate insurance claim, but you've stopped it from being paid. It'll be paid in due time, if it should be paid. Is that so, Ranger? Well, let me tell you something. I think the way you stopped that claim constitutes slander. You think of any reason why I shouldn't slap a lawsuit on the two of you? No, Mac. Not anymore, and I can think of a reason why you insured Farragut's wife and two kids. Then maybe I'll give you the reason, Sheriff. Farragut knew I had them all insured. You can't insure somebody without them knowing it. The company will tell you that. Farragut was my friend. You understand that? My friend. Sure, I insured his wife. If he'd lost her and been left with the two kids, he'd need somebody to take care of them. And that cost money. Farragut could have insured her himself. So I did it for him. And I loved his kids. I don't have any, and they, they were like my own. The policies I had on them weren't just life insurance policies. They were endowment policies, too, to pay for the education. Now, what's wrong about that, Sheriff? Nothing wrong, man. If what you're saying's true... Ask the insurance man. Ask him. Out at the ranch, before we found out what killed the Farragut's, when we thought they'd been murdered, I offered to put up everything I have as a reward, didn't I? Well, didn't I? Yes, Mac, you did. I'm glad you mentioned that, Mac. Because it brought something to my mind. Something that's been trying to register. And you just brought it out. What do you mean? How long you been in the hardware business? Uh, Eleven years. Why? 
Because when Doc told us the Farraguts died from food poisoning, from food that wasn't canned properly, he had to draw you a blueprint. You didn't seem to know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. No? Don't you sell canning equipment at the hardware store? Well, we can go over to the store and have a look, Mac. All right. So I sell canning equipment. Any hardware store does. What does that prove? Companies that make canning equipment usually put out instruction booklets, too, telling how the equipment should be used. And those booklets contain a warning about the possibility of food poisoning. Maybe they do. I never read one of them. Don't kid me, Mac. man who's been handling a line for 11 years has to know the answers when customers ask about the stuff he's selling. If he doesn't, he doesn't last 11 years in the business. You're covering up, Mac. That doesn't look good. So, it doesn't look good. All right, Sheriff. What are you going to do about it? Arrest me for telling a lie? Don't be smart, Mac. I don't even know why I'm bothering to talk to you. You got your warrant. Go ahead and search. But you're not going to find anything here. No canning equipment and no canned sausage meat. So go ahead. Search your heart out. Mac wasn't hedging anymore. But having him out in the open made me feel uncomfortable. He was too defiant, too sure of himself. We finished our search, but we found nothing. Started back for the sheriff's office. He knows something about those deaths, Jase. Practically told us so, right to our faces. I know. We can't prove anything. Yeah, he could have brought cannon equipment home from the store. Could have taken it any place. Then ditched it when he was finished. He'd need more than just the equipment, Sheriff. What? Hog meat? Might have bought a hog. I had one butchered at some farm around here. But which one? We checked every house in the territory once, warning them about the meat. I reckon we'll have to check them again from a different angle. Be a job. Some folks off in the backwoods keep a hog or two. We'll check them all. I'm towing a double horse trailer. We can load your mount in with charcoal in case we need them for the woods or hill country. Matter of fact, places off the beaten trail might be our best bet. I know it's going to be done, Jase, but even if we find a place, can't jail them for buying hog meat. Just the same, it's our next step. And it might be the step that starts Mac on his way to a cell. It was work. Grim, routine, discouraging work. The game of questions and answers without ever getting the right answer. In three days, we checked all the spots that could be reached by car. Then we switched to the horses and rode into the backwoods. These backwoods people are kind of tight mouthed, Jay. Yeah, so I've noticed. I guess they figure the world doesn't want to share the trouble, so they hold up back here. You see what I mean next place we come to? Crazy Annie. Crazy Annie? That's what they call her. She isn't really crazy, just kind of strange. Has a son, feeble-minded. They had him at the state asylum for a while, but he was harmless, so they let him go. Old lady came into the woods with him, and, well, they've been here ever since. They got hogs? Yeah, hogs, a couple of chickens. That's about all they have got. Oh, yeah, they got one other thing. The meanest dog in the state of Texas. Keep your eye open for him when we ride up. Don't they keep him tied? Yeah, yeah, but he chews loose. Hates everybody but the old lady and her son. Place is just through this clump of trees. Hey, hold it, Sheriff. Ooh, ooh, ooh Charlie. Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, look at that. Mound of earth covered with rocks and a cross sticking up at the head. Looks like a grave. Uh-huh. Reckon Luke did that, old Annie's son. Always burying dead birds and things. Gives them all first-class funerals. Oh, now get up, Chuck. Oh, come on, boy. Uh, there's Luke now. Luke! You scared him. He took off for the woods like a jackrabbit. Yeah, never know how he's going to act. I don't see any dog anyplace. No, first time I come here that he hasn't tried to sample my pants. Oh, there's the old lady coming out of the shack now. Yeah, I see her. Oh, oh. Oh, Charky. Howdy, Annie. You frightened my Luke. Why do you come to frighten him? We don't mean him any harm, ma'am. We just came to see you. Where's your dog, Annie? I don't want him sneaking up on me. The devil came for him. He's dead. And Luke cries for him. He's afraid in the night without the dog. Maybe you're just as well off, Annie. That hound might have turned on you sometime. Uh, how are the hogs coming? See, the sow has a new litter. Yeah, those sucklings ought to make good canning. Uh, maybe you got some canned meat that I could buy. I ain't got nothing canned. Not until we butcher. That's true, Jace. Ford checked her shells when we were warning everybody. I see. You ever give any canned sausage meat to the Farragut's? I never give them nothing. 
Why are people always asking me that? You know the Farragut's are dead, don't you, Annie? Yeah. If you never gave anything to the Farragut's, did you ever give or sell any canned sausage to Sid Mack? Or any hog meat, or even a live hog? Well, did you, Annie? You got a right to sell what you own. I don't know the man you talk about. Now, don't lie to us, Annie. We're friends. You know that, don't you? I never sold him nothing. I never did. He never come up here. All right, Annie. Want to write on, Jace? No sense trying to catch Luke when he's scary like he is today. He can't even talk. Yeah, let's go. Goodbye, ma'am. Goodbye, Ann. Up, Charlie. Up, boy. Of course, it's hard to tell with anybody like that, Jace, but she seemed to tighten up when you mentioned Sid Mack. She did. Her hands started to work. Nerves. And the boy Luke ran when he saw me. Of course, he's done that before. If they can give us any information, it isn't going to be easy to get. I got an idea. Maybe a wrong one, but it's worth a shot. Let's turn back for town. Come on, Charlie. Come on, boy. Come on. You gonna tackle Mac again? No. I want to see the doctor. Well, there's a complete chapter on botulism in this book, Jace. Now... What was it you wanted to know? This food poisoning from improper canning, Doc, does it always happen? I mean, if the batch wasn't cooked the proper length of time, or if it wasn't sealed under the proper steam pressure, would it necessarily be poisoned? No, not necessarily. It could be all right. I just wanted to make sure. Well, what's your point, Jez? If Mac put up that contaminated meat, he'd have no way of knowing it was bad without testing it. So since he wouldn't test it on himself... He didn't test it on anybody else, either. There'd have been another death or somebody sick enough for Doc to know about. Mac wouldn't have gambled on the Farragut's just getting sick. He wouldn't have even gotten the food to him unless he was sure it was deadly. Well, he could have tested it on an animal. Would an animal eat that food, Doc? Well, the meat would seem all right by taste or smell. Yes, yes, an animal would eat it. That's all I wanted to know, Doc. Sheriff, we're going for another ride in the woods. I think I know what for. Shouldn't take two guesses. We're going to dig up Luke's dog and send it to the lab at Austin. I want to know what that dog died from. We took Deputy Ford with us to stay on guard and keep old Annie and Luke from leaving their shack. We dug up the dog and sent it to Austin. The answer fit. Death by food poisoning. Sheriff and I rode back to the shack in the woods. Old Annie was white and shaking and her son huddled in a corner. His eyes enormous and frightened, his lips numb. Annie, believe me, nobody's going to hurt you or Luke, but you've got to help us. You had no reason to harm the Farragut's, we know that. But we're after the man who did have a reason. I don't know, I don't know. All you have to do is tell us, was Mac here? Did you sell him anything? Or can anything under his direction? I guess it's no use, Jace. And we can try again when we get to town. Annie, you and Luke will have to come with us. We're taking you in. I don't want to come back. Luke, Luke, listen to me. We're only taking you into town. I wouldn't have to do that if you or your mother'd answer my question. They're lying, boss. They want to take me back there. Mr. Mack says they take me back. Mack said? Wait a minute, Sheriff. Where did Mr. Mack say they were going to take you, Luke? You know where... The place where they took me before. They ain't gonna take you, Luke. I won't let him. Yes, I think he means the asylum. That's what he does mean. That's the key to why he won't talk. Wait, I got a hunch. Luke, Mac isn't a good man. He killed your dog. Well, he did, didn't he? No. He was always giving me stuff to feed him. My dog died. He died. You're getting to him, Jace. We don't want to send you away, Luke. Mac lied. He's the one. He wants to send you away. No, he tried to help me. He told me who was trying to have me sent back there. It was Mr. Farragut. That's who. Don't tell him, Luke. Don't say any more. You better let him talk, Annie, because if Mac didn't kill the Farraguts, then Luke did. He didn't. He didn't mean to. He didn't know what he was doing. Mr. Mac said I should be nice to Mr. Farragut and his wife. Then they wouldn't send me away. What do you mean by telling you to be nice? He said I should go and bring him a present. He gave me the present to bring. Something nice for them to eat. Something in a jar? Something canned? Yeah. The same kind of stuff he always 
kept giving me to feed my dog. My dog died, and Mr. Faggot and his lady and the little babies, they died too. That's it, Jace. Making him an accessory to the murder of four people. I know. But with Luke's background and with a smart defense attorney in court scaring him and confusing him, Luke's story wouldn't hold up. Mac would get away with it. But what else can we do? Got to find the rest of that food and prove it passed through Mac's hands. He had a batch of it. Kept feeding the dog samples until he found a jar that was deadly. Annie, your boy's in trouble. You know that, don't you? Leave him alone. How much of that stuff did Mac bring up here? A lot. But he kept it hid someplace in the woods, except in what he fed the dog. He didn't tell us why. And after the dog died, that's when he got the jar from his hiding place for Luke to take to the Farragut's, wasn't it? Luke never knowed what killed the dog till after. No. Mr. Farragut, he thanked me and he gave me a half dollar. And the lady, she, she smiled at me, pretty. Luke. Do you know where Mac hid that food? Did you see him digging any place? Did you follow him? I, I never know where he kept it. He always went over the hill, way over where it's all rock. That rock formation across the gully, Jace, about a mile from here. Think he left the stuff there? Yeah, it wouldn't be safe for him to cart around. He had to leave it someplace. Come on. We're going to need more men, Sheriff. We may have an all-night digging party. Warren! Yeah, Sheriff. Just watering the horses. Well, hop on yours pronto and head for the nearest ranch. Get on the phone and call for deputies. Tell them to bring shovels and keep their mouths shut about where they're going. I want them up here right away. We dug by flashlight and torchlight. Finally, we found it. A burlap sack loaded with jars of sausage meat. Canned death. We rushed back to town, and just after dawn, a fingerprint crew flew in from Austin... I held my breath. All we needed was a print. One fingerprint belonging to Sid Mack. We got it. More than one. There were sets on every jar. By that time, his store was open and we went for him. Well, Sheriff and the Ranger, what uh, bright ideas have you got this time? Got an idea? We're going to lock you up, Mack. You can drop that smile, Mack. Luke was just as scared of us as he was of you. We know the whole story. Well... Guess fellas with your mentality might believe, Luke. But a jury won't. You know what the law says about a reasonable doubt? We also found a few buried samples of your canning, Mac, with your fingerprints all over the jars. Just yours. So? Like you once said, I sell canning equipment. And I handle the stuff I sell. So my prints were on the jars. Smart, isn't he, Sheriff? Regular genius. Thanks. Sorry I can't return the compliment. You're just like all the smart ones, Mac. You just made one mistake, and it was a real stupid one. About those prints, you had to put them on the jars after they were filled, when the canning was completed. Any prints that were on before would have been boiled off. You go that claw hammer, Mac. Don't make me put a bullet in you. Because heaven knows, Mac, I'm tempted. Wait a minute, Sheriff. I'm not resisting. I'm not touching anything. All right. Move. Better lock the door, Mac. You won't be coming back. Sid Mac was brought to trial on August 3rd, 1940. He was convicted of premeditated murder. And on April 19th, 1941, he died in the electric chair. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Paul Fries, Virginia Gregg, Will Wright, Ken Christie, Joe Forte, Edmund McDonald, and Don Diamond. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. 
Gordon McRae sings for you tomorrow evening as the Railroad Hour presents a melodic adaptation of the dramatic opera Madam Butterfly. Gordon's guest for this Railroad Hour presentation is lovely soprano Nadine Connor. And your Monday of Music tomorrow also includes a concert by the voice of Firestone with guest artist Eugene Conley. Bill Baker asks the $64 question next on NBC. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, no living witnesses. It is 11.30 a.m., a Monday morning in November 1939. Sheriff Ross Betsby turns his car into a quiet residential street of Harper's Landing, Texas. Seated in the car with him is Mrs. Blackburn, a medical assistant. She becomes increasingly nervous as they approach a sign marking the home of Dr. Walter Hennett. Now, don't go getting jumpy, Miss Blackburn. There could be a hundred reasons for the doc to be missing. Not Doc Hennett, and you know it. It ain't like him to just disappear. No sign of him since Saturday night. Wasn't at church yesterday, and he ain't at his house this morning. He's always there for visiting hours at 9.30. So he's probably out on a house call. Maybe over to the hospital at Ridge Hill. If he was, the phone operator'd know about it. Besides, his car is still in the garage. Well, here's the house. Better get out of the car and see if we can't raise him. That's what I've been trying to do all morning. You sure he wasn't at church yesterday? Of course I'm sure. He always gave me a ride home to my place, and I'd always make Sunday breakfast for him before he'd start on his house calls. You don't work for a man for ten years without learning his habits, especially a doctor. Well, he's got to be around someplace. Doc? Hello, Doc? Doc? Doc Hemet! Don't you have a key, Miss Blackburn? Never needed one before. Front door to the waiting room's always been open, except at night. Of course, he could have driven off with somebody, but... Oh, I don't know. But if he's here, why doesn't he answer? Well, even doctors get sick. And Doc Hammett's no youngster. He might have had a stroke. Oh. What are you going to do, Sheriff? We got to get inside. I got no legal right to bust in without a warrant. But that'll take time, and maybe this can't wait. Why don't you just go in, then? Doc knows you. He'd understand. If he doesn't understand, I reckon he'll just have to sue me for a broken window. I'll knock this one in with my gun, then I'll climb in and let you in through the door. Well, hurry. All right, come in. Where's Doc's bedroom? Back here. Not here. Bed's been used, though. It was all made up Saturday night when I left. Then he slept here Saturday night. Bathroom door is open. Nothing in there. Reckon we better go through the rest of the house. Kitchen's clear. You can see out back through the windows. There's nothing there either. Sheriff, I'm... I'm frightened. The sliding door to his office was closed when we come into the waiting room. Better have a look at that office. If he isn't in here, I don't know. Oh, could... oh Sheriff! You better stay back, Miss Blackburn. Oh, Doctor Hammett! Dressed in a robe and pajamas. Oh. Must have had a heart attack. Come in here to get something for it, and 
Wait a minute. What is it? Oh, his robe. It looks like blood. Tis blood. From a bullet wound. He's been murdered. Sheriff Vetsby made an immediate request for the aid of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. He joined the sheriff at the home of Dr. Hemmett shortly after 1 p.m. Uh, Jace, uh, this is Miss Blackburn. She was Doc's helper. Uh, this is Ranger Pearson, Miss Blackburn. Howdy. Howdy, ma'am. I asked Miss Blackburn to stay until you got here. Reckon she knows more about Doc than anybody. I gather you didn't live here in the house, ma'am. No. I have my own place. I don't know just what I'd like to ask you yet until I look around. Would you mind waiting a little longer? I'll stay as long as you need me. Thanks, ma'am. Where's the body, Sheriff? In the office. Through that sliding door. I've been keeping it closed off. Nobody's been in here but me and one deputy. He just took a couple of pictures. Good. Medical examiner been here yet? No, but he'll be along soon. He's driving down from Hesterville. Mark alongside the doc's temple here. Bruise about two inches long. It's a pretty heavy blow. Looks like he might have been knocked out with a gun barrel. That figures. Because he wasn't standing up when he was shot. He was lying here on the floor. What makes you think so? Bullet went right through the chest and buried in the floor under him. I moved him a little and I dug the slug out. Here. Forty-five. Yeah. There's something funny about this, though. Quite a bit of blood on this examination table, almost six feet away from the body. Yeah, I wondered about that myself. The instrument tray and surgical dressings pulled up beside the table. There's a couple of hypodermic needles that look like they've been used. Well, Jace, Doc couldn't have been trying to treat his own wound. He, he never moved after he was shot. Or that slug wouldn't have been in the floor right under him. Of course, he, he, he might have staggered around before he was shot, after he got hit on the head. It still wouldn't account for the blood on this table. There was no bleeding from the mark on his head. That means the blood on the table come from somebody else. Medical examiner can type it for us later. I want to see Mrs. Blackburn for a minute. We can use some help from you now, Miss Blackburn. I'll tell you anything I can. Mrs. Blackburn, was it part of your job to clean the doctor's office? Yes. Every day after his final visiting hours. According to the sign outside, his evening hours were from 5 to 7 p.m. That's right. You clean the place after 7 p.m. Saturday night? Yes. And what time did you leave? Well, the doctor had a few calls to make after visiting hours. House calls. I waited until he got back and fixed his dinner for him. I reckon it was late when I left. After 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. Look through the door of the examination room for a minute. Yes, sir. Is that surgical tray usually in that position? I mean, did you leave it like that Saturday night? Why, no. Everything was put away in the cabinet. How about the examination table? You cleaned that off Saturday night? Yes. Was the doctor expecting any patient after you left, late? No, no, he said he was going right to bed. And he must have gone, too, Jace. The bed had been slept in, and you can see what he was wearing. Poor doc. I, I think it'd be all right for you to go home now, ma'am. If I need any more information, we can reach you there. Thank you. Uh, tell the deputy outside that I said to drive you home. I'd, I'd as soon walk. Get from there. Yes, well, thanks for helping, Miss Blackburn. Well... That settles one thing, Jace. Doc had an unexpected patient late Saturday night. Somebody who routed him out of bed and killed him. But why? I got an idea. It was to keep the doc from calling you. Keep him from calling me? What do you mean? Whoever came here was hurt, bleeding. So it wasn't a planned visit. Not somebody who came here deliberately to kill the doc. Doc was killed to keep him from talking about the visit. Oh, Doc Hammond would never talk about a patient's business? Only in one case, where the law would require it. He'd have to report it if he treated anybody for a bullet wound. Yeah, that's right, Jace. That could be it. That probe on the instrument tray has blood on it. And that's just what a doc had used to dig out a bullet. I know. I've had a few dug out myself. Let's comb this examination room again. What are you looking for? If we're right, the slug doc Hammett dug out of his patient. We found it wrapped in a piece of blood-stained gauze in one of the trash containers. There was something else in the container, too, part of a faded blue denim shirt that had been used to bind a wound. 
It must have been a bad wound, Jace. That denim was soaked. Yeah, and take a look at this slug. Looks like a slug from a Savage 303. But Doc was killed by a 45. That's natural. The man who came here wounded was shot someplace else by somebody else. Wouldn't be the same gun. Fellow we're after must have been in a gunfight then. That's the way it shapes up. With all that blood, he couldn't have come far. Couldn't have waited too long to get to a doctor. And the chances are he wasn't alone. Somebody must have been helping him. Oh, they could have just left Doc knocked out, trussed him up and gotten away. Why'd they have to kill him? I can't answer that one. When the medical examiner gives us the wounded man's blood type, I'm going to send the two slugs we've got through to Austin for a ballistic check. Get a rundown on every police report involving gunplay that took place anywhere within 100 miles of here on Saturday night. medical examiner came and after a quick check gave us the blood type of the man we were after. I arranged for the two slugs we had to be sent through to Austin at the same time phoned for a complete report on all shooting incidents that had occurred on Saturday night. Then the sheriff and I started the drive to his office. This looks like a tough one to me, Jace. We got a blood type to check for, but I reckon a million people in Texas have type O blood. Yeah, but not all of them are going to have a recent bullet wound they can't account for. You're right. If we find one who's been wounded... But for all we know, the man Doc treated might have got himself shot by accident. If he did, he wouldn't have killed the doc to keep him from reporting it. Guess you got me hogtied on that point, Jake. But all the same, I don't... Hold it a minute, Sheriff. KTXA to Unit 10. That's for me. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead. Have info you requested on cases involving firearms. None reported your general vicinity for Saturday night. 10-4. There is possible lead, though, Unit 10. What is it? Body of man killed by gunfire discovered a few hours ago on slope of Thunder Ridge, Roebling County, about 70 miles west of your present location. Time of death not yet determined. Waiting report of medical examiner. 10-4. Is another unit assigned to that case? Unit 3 covering. This unit proceeding to join Unit 3 to explore possibility of link between two killings. 10-4. Best approach to scene is west slope of Thunder Ridge. We'll have to leave car, go in mounted. 10-4. Unit 3 making contact by field set. We'll notify Unit 3 if you're coming. 10-4, Unit 10, clear. KDXA Austin. You think that might hook up with us, Jace? It's the only thing that's turned up. Another Ranger unit's there, Unit 3. That's Steve Clark. We can work it together. Suppose I leave you on deck here to cover anything that turns up. Suits me. Just drop me at my office. Even if this fellow you're going to see was killed on Saturday night, Jace, it could still be a coincidence. I know. But it'll stop being a coincidence if he was killed by the same 45 that was used to murder Doc Hemmett. I dropped the sheriff off, then headed for Thunder Ridge. When I got to the base, I unloaded charcoal from my horse trailer and started the climb. The sun was sinking as I started up the slope, and darkness came fast. I spotted torches moving like fireflies. I rode for them. Easy, easy, Charcoal. Watch your footin', boy. Hello there. Hello. That you, Steve? Yeah. Jase? Right. Coming up to you. Hold up back there. Let your horses a second. Uh, howdy, Steve. Howdy, Jase. <clears throat> Got a walkie-talkie message. You were coming. Didn't come down the road to meet you because we wanted to get the body out of here. The medical examiner can't do much till we get it into town. Where is the body? Back there on a pack mule with the sheriff's deputies. I'm leading the way down. Yeah, might as well get moving then. I'll ride with you. Right. All right, we're going to move again. Follow this gully all the way down and watch your step. Come on, boy. Come on, Charky. Any line on how long he's been dead? Not for sure. But I think it's going to fit in with what you're looking for. What I can judge, he was killed Saturday night. You got anything to back that up? Yeah, the man's a cowpoke. Works on that ranch at the base of the ridge. He rode up here Saturday night to see some Mexican gal he's been courting. But he never did get back to the ranch after he left her shack. I wonder why anybody traveled all the way up here to kill him. He was ambushed on the way back to the ranch. It'd been just as easy for the killer to wait until he hit the flat down by the ranch. Funny you should say that. Why? Because he was shot down on the flat. Well, then how'd his body get up here? Well, near as I can figure, he started to ride back up to get help. He wasn't killed right off, fell out of the saddle, and died where he fell. Seems to me he'd have ridden on to the ranch for help. Well, the ranch house is 11 miles off. Back up this way, it was only one mile. Jace, I'll be able to show you the whole thing when we get down. I'll follow his tracks both ways. Say, you, you leave your car near mine? Yeah. Well, the shooting took place not far from where we're parked. 
There was a break in the fence there and the marks of a truck, but they weren't deep enough to make a cast of them. You mean whoever gunned him had a truck down there? Yeah, that's right, Chase. Or say, there are cattle tracks all over the place, too. Well, that might mean he surprised somebody who was trying to run some stock off the place. Yeah, not only trying, but succeeding. A few white faces that were grazing in that section can't be located. Hey, this fit in with your doctor killing? Depends on whether your cowpoke was killed by a forty-five and whether he returned fire and hit one of the men he saw down there. Well, he fought with him, all right. He was carrying a saddle rifle. He dropped it when he got hit, I reckon. I found it beside his tracks down below. Already sent it on to Austin. Only one thing you got to tell me, then, and I'll know if the two killings go hand in hand. What kind of a rifle was the cowpoke using? What kind you looking for, Jase? Savage three hundred three. You got a case. That's what it was. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. We're boasting a little because here at NBC, you'll find the roughest, toughest, most romantic crime fighters ever assembled under one network roof. Take Wednesday evening, for example. On Wednesdays, you'll hear action with Mr. District Attorney, The Big Story, and that new daring private eye, Rex Saunders, played by Rex Harrison. So just keep your mystery ear glued to your NBC station every Wednesday. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and tonight's case... No Living Witnesses, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. The cowpoke and Dr. Hammett had been killed by the same man, all right. Ballistics proved the bullet dug out of the floor from under the doctor was a twin to the forty-five taken out of the murdered cowpoke. Steve Clark and I put our horses in the double trailer I was towing and headed for Harper's Landing. Ballistic boys at the lab didn't take long comparing those slugs, did they? They never do. It all fits. They even test-fired the cowpoke's rifle. It fired the slug Doc Hammett took out of that patient we're looking for. We're not only looking for him, we're going to find him and whoever was with him. It must be more than one man, all right. What you told me about the blood on that piece of denim shirt, he couldn't have been in any condition to drive by himself, not all the way to Harper's Landing. Yeah, 70 miles. And he must have known he was going to need a doctor. Hey, you look like that gives you an idea. It does. I think it answers a question the sheriff asked me. Why they killed the doc instead of just tying him up. And what's the answer? They killed him because they didn't just happen by his place. They knew Doc Hammett, and he knew them. That's a big conclusion, Jason. It's not hard to reach either. Look, Steve, Doc Hammett's house in Harper's Landing isn't on the main street through town. It's on a side street, not easy to find in the middle of the night, unless you knew where it was. Not only that, but they had to pass through two bigger towns on the way there. Towns with more than one doctor. Steve, if you were shot and wanted to keep it covered, but you had to be treated, what would you do? Well, go to my own family doc, I reckon, and hope that I could talk him into keeping it quiet. Hey, you're right, Jase. That means the men we're after must live in or near Harper's Landing. Let's say on a ranch somewhere outside the town. Some place they could have taken stolen cattle. We know the brand mark and those stolen white faces. Say, we're going to do some range riding? Until we find them. Until they show up for sale at some commission house or auction barn. You think the sheriff will be willing to ride with us? Of course he will. Doc Hammond was a friend of his, and the sheriff doesn't take to killers. Larson Ranch is about two miles farther on. Might stop there and get some grub if you'd like. I'm all for it, Sheriff. How about it, Jase? Haven't taken much eating time for the past two days. Oh, why don't you just grab a handful of range grass? It's loaded with vitamins. <laughs> You'll be loaded with buckshot if you come up with any more ideas like that. Yeah, come on, Jase, before we get so skinny that a gust of wind will lift us right out of the saddle. Okay, okay, I guess the horses can use a rest. You see there, Sheriff? He don't care about us, just the horses. Well, look who's talking. I never saw you sit down to a meal without seeing to it that your horse was fed and watered first. I was only kidding, Jase. Let's get out of that Larson place. All right, get up, boy. Okay. Get I wish we'd find some sign of those white faces. We must have looked over a couple of thousand head without finding a single altered brand. Yeah, they got to be around, Steve. They haven't been sold through any commission house or barn. All records have been checked back through last Saturday. Yeah, we better find them soon before too many people know what we're doing. Ranchers who've seen us know we're not riding this range for exercise. Yeah, at the Larson Ranch off there to the right of the mesa. There? Nope, that place belongs to Yancey Coburn and his son, Jed. Yeah, pull up a minute. Whoa, oh, whoa, boy. Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah, those cattle are acting kind of funny, Jase. Yeah. 
Disturbed and excited, milling around. Can't see any reason for it. Wide open range. No sign of a coyote or a mountain cat. There must be something they smell. I've seen them act just that way when a beef has been slaughtered on the range. Blood smell stirs them up and they start bunching just like that. No, nothing in that herd to interest us, though, Jace. Can see none of them's white faces. Yeah, white parts might have been painted over. You know, that kind of camouflage's been used before. I can't tell till we get close up. Gonna have to check them sooner or later. Might as well be now. Well, there goes our lunch, Steve. Yeah, I guess they eat on the Coburn place, too. Yeah, but Yancey and Jed ain't exactly hospitable. Well, come on. Get up, boy. Yeah. Come on. They're bunching right along Coburn's fence line. That's good. We won't have to cut the fence. We can just tie the horses off there and climb through. They sure are acting up. All right, hold up. Ooh, 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 Sharky. I'll hold the wire, Jason. Thanks. Climb through, Sheriff, and I'll come through and hold it for Steve. Right. Okay, Steve. Come ahead. Okay. I'm clear. Let it go. Yeah. Ain't no strange stock here, Jace. They're all wearing Coburn's brand. Yeah, I can't spot any that have been altered. Besides, there's not a white face in the lot. It's see that plane now. What are they so head up about? It beats me. What are you looking at, Jace? Tracks. The way they've been milling around. Marks form a big circle. The boulder over there seems to be the middle of it. They move up toward it, and then they start to mill and pull back. Come on. Wow. Look at the mess of red ants around that boulder. Well, they're just pouring in and out of that varmint hole under it. Hey, look at them. That hole's bigger than it looks. Most of it's been covered by the boulder. Hey, let's see if we can move it out, Steve. Yeah. Jam too tight, Jake. Yeah, there's enough of an opening for my arm. I'll stretch flat and stick my hand down there. Well, watch out, Jake. You'll get ants all over you. I don't care about the ants so much. I just hope I don't get a mess of gopher teeth in my hand. Feel anything down there? Yeah. Look, quick line. Hey, Jace, you better wash that off right away. I will. You got your wire clippers? Sure. What's the matter? Cut the fence and bring the horses through. We're going to pull this boulder. Why, Jace? What's down there? It felt like a bunch of fresh-skinned beef hides. They were hides, all right. Stripped from a half-dozen white face. The place where the brands should have been were burned over to obliterate what had been there. Packed the hides on our horses and headed for the Coburn Ranch house. They sure wiped out any proof on those hides, Jace. Yeah. If there wasn't something wrong with them, they wouldn't have gone to the trouble of hiding them. Pretty smart butchering the stuff before they sold it. Probably figured every commission house in the state would be watching for brands. They couldn't risk altering them, and they couldn't risk keeping the stock around. You seen the Coburns lately, Sheriff? Haven't seen Jed for some time, but I saw Yancey only last night at the drugstore in town. Yeah? He buying something? Yeah, he was. A lot of stuff. Bandages, adhesive tape. I saw the druggist wrapping it up. Sounds like the stuff he'd need to change dresses and a bad wound, Jace. We're coming to their sheds. The house is just the other side of them. Ride right into the sheds. Leave the horses there. I don't want them to see these hides yet. Okay. Here we are. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, Take a look on that floor there, Jace. Over there. Yeah. One spot cleaned up mighty good. But look, look at the beam right over it. Meat hooks, a little blood on them. Yeah, must have done his butchering right here. Made awful sure to get that floor clean. Let's go talk to him. There's Yancey now at the back screen door. Uh, howdy, Yancey. What you fellas want on my place? The rangers want to have a little talk with you. I ain't got much time for talking. I got work to do. Yeah, so have we. Where's your son? I don't know. What do you mean, you don't know? Just like I said, I don't know. Now, anything else I can help you with? Don't get smart, Yancey. You know where Jed is, you better talk up. He took himself a little trip down to Mexico. Suppose you invite us in and tell us all about it. Reckon I don't have to have you in if I don't want you, Sheriff. He's perfectly right, Sheriff. So Steve and I will just wait here while you ride into town and get a warrant. And we can invite ourselves in. You want to make us do it the hard way, Yancey? I ain't got nothing to hide. Want to come in? Come in. You keep a gun in the house? Shotgun there in the corner by the stove. How about a forty-five, Yancey? Never owned one. You haven't slaughtered any beef lately either, have you? 
Any log in it? Nobody said there was. Stashing the hides away under a boulder is a little bit unusual. You're getting kind of pale, Yancey. There ain't no... What'd you stop for, Yancey? You're about to say there aren't any brand marks left on those hides, weren't you? You putting words in my mouth. Choose your own words, but answer me. Tell the truth. Where's your son, Jed? I told you he's... He's not in Mexico. He's holed up someplace recovering from a wound. The wound Doc Hemmett was killed for treating. I don't know what you're talking about. Jed ain't here, I tell you. Jase, look at that ladder there in the corner. Just a ladder? I was was fixing to do some paint. A man who's going to paint usually buys some paint before he brings a ladder in. What's that up in the ceiling? Looks like an entry into the attic. Get out of here! Get out of here! You know, get your hands off that shotgun! Oh. That's better. I'll hold this for safekeeping. You might hurt somebody. Keep him covered, Steve. I'm going to use that ladder and see what we got upstairs. I'll help you, Jase. Jed's probably up there, and he ain't the kind to come quiet if he's cornered. That's Kill right, him. Sheriff! Get covered, Sheriff! Kill him, Jed! Shut up, Yancey! Don't move! Be smart, Jed. You can't get out of that attic. No! But I can blow the head off of anyone who comes up here to take me out. I gotta see you first, remember that? We don't have to come up after you, Jed. We can rake every foot of that ceiling with gunfire. Yeah, that's just a sample. You can make it look like a sieve, and you look like one with it. Now, you better get down here with your father while you still got the chance. Come down, Jed. Come down, or they'll kill you. We didn't do nothing. They can't prove nothing. How about it, Jed? All right. But my leg is hurt. You have to bring the ladder on to help me down. Sure. Just to make it friendly. Open that trap all the way and drop your gun down here. All right. Yeah, that's better. All right, Sheriff. Set the ladder up again. This is the gun we wanted, Steve. Yeah, forty-five. All right, Jed. Ease yourself down and I'll help you. All right. My, my leg hurts. Come on, come on. Look, we didn't do nothing. And that's all we ever going to see. We didn't do nothing, yeah. You'll love it up in Huntsville, then. It's full of innocent fellows just like you. You ready, Steve? Yeah. Sheriff? All set, Jace. Good. All right, Yancey, Jed, get moving. Throughout their trial, Yancey and Jed Coben steadfastly denied any crime. However, Jed's blood type matched the blood found in the office of Dr. Hemet, and ballistic experts definitely identified his 45 caliber gun as the weapon used to murder both Dr. Hemet and the cowboy whose body was found on Thunder Ridge. It took the jury less than two hours to bring in a verdict of guilty. The Cobans were sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of their natural lives. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. I believe you'll enjoy an amusing story I heard recently. It comes from a young lady who lives in the Lone Star State. It seems that a Sunday school teacher was making quite an impression with the little ones in her class as she told how the pharaohs of early Egypt drove the children of Israel from that land. A little fellow in the front row was biting his nails fiercely as the teacher went on to describe the cruelties inflicted upon the Israelites, how they were beaten and driven forth without food or water. When the story was over, the young fry stared straight ahead. Finally, he snapped, Gee whiz, where were the Texas Rangers? <laughs> See you next week, folks. Good night. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Virginia Gregg, Herb Ellis, Ed Begley, and Parley Bear. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Turn back the calendar. Tomorrow evening, the Railroad Hour takes you back to a golden, bygone era with a refreshing presentation of the musical comedy High Button Shoes. Railroad Hour singing star Gordon McRae is joined by Margaret Whiting for this program. 
And remember, tomorrow you'll also hear a concert by the Boston Pops Orchestra. Phil Baker invites you to join the $64 question next on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.